Hello, everybody. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the show, the big show, the single largest podcast that's taped in my car. And if you hear the road noise, as usual, we are on the road to somewhere in the Midwest. It's a gray Saturday morning here while we're recording this. And I apologize ahead of time, but I'm going to clear my throat a couple times. I've had a kind of a... It's winter. I've had this, the crud. <clears throat> I apologize about that. I could tell that was coming. So we're here to talk to you today about a subject we don't talk about. <laughs> Which makes it interesting to try and get the words out, but we'll do our best. No, actually, we're going to talk about not politics. We're going to talk about not talking about politics, if that makes sense. Because one of the founding facets we had when we started 3BY about a year ago is what or was the the concept, the idea that we want to be inclusive. Now, at this point in time, a really political person will either have their eyes glaze over or they'll start to get mad. But hear me out. Our thesis, our idea is that it whatever political persuasion a person has, and this goes across the board to the other things we don't talk about, whatever religion the person believes in, if they do at all, whatever uh, country they live in, whatever you know, whatever ethnic background they have, whatever race they are, whatever uh, gender they are. It doesn't matter to me because it's more important to me, this is a personal thing, that all of these other people, all of these other races, creeds, nationalities, religions, politics, prep. Because the more people who prep, whatever political ideas they may have, the better off I personally am because that's one less that's one less person out there putting pressure on the system. More self-sufficiency is a healthier society. Right. And it, it baffles me that people don't get this. This is such a... There are things that I find interesting in the prepper world. And one of them is there's a predilection for a certain political point of view in prepping. And everybody knows this. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna talk about which particular group that is because we don't talk about politics on 3BY. But there is a predilection, and we all know what it is, so I'm gonna leave it unsaid, as to which political group in the United States is much more likely to be a prepper. And it's true. And if you were to go onto any internet resource out there, almost all of them, not everyone, but the vast majority of them are tilted toward one wing of political thought. And there are a few that are basically reactionary places that are completely the opposite of this. They go to the other wing. And as far as I've ever seen, and this is one of the reasons we started 3BY, as far as I've ever seen, 
and I may be wrong, and please correct me, please write this in the comments if there are other places. There is only one non completely non-political prepper resource I've ever found. And I helped invent it. I'm not saying this to blow my own horn. I'm saying this more out of consternation and exasperation. Because the whole idea behind prepping, to me, is that for each person who takes the responsibility of on taking care of ourselves in the future, it reduces the load on the whole situation. If everybody had six months' worth of food in their house, whether they be a certain person, a person of a certain race, whether they be a certain person of a certain religion, political background, doesn't matter. They can eat for the next six months, so they're people I don't have to worry about trying to break into my house and steal my stuff. There's no rioting in the streets after three days because people are panicked because they don't have food. It's better for everybody. And people will say, well, yeah, that's because... It no, it's not. It's because we as a prepping community are failing to, to get this done. This is on us. And part of this podcast is I'm challenging you. What are you doing about it? Are you just going to sit there and bash these other people just because you hate what they believe? And in a sense, hurt your own self doing it. You're hurting nobody but yourself when you do this. Am I wrong? You're not wrong. If you make prepping, if you, if preppers make themselves deplorable to people who are different from you for whatever reason, it doesn't matter who's right or who's wrong. But if a large segment of the population sees preppers as being deplorable because they link them, link the idea of being prepared for emergencies so tightly to a political position, if the link between prepping and politics remains to be so very tight, it is going to automatically turn off a large segment of the population. Uh, well said. Let's look at an example. We all know in the last, say, election, how it was very close. Okay? It was. I mean, you know, and we've had elections that have come down to hanging chads to figure out who, are, who the president of the United States is. So we all know that there are two prevailing groups of people on each, uh, one on one side of politics, one on the other side. And then there's a group of, of swayable people in the middle. And if we as a prepper community strongly align with one-third of the population, that means we're turning off two-thirds of the people that we need to have prepping. It's stupid. It's just dumb. Now, we're going to put a caveat in here. Our caveat is, we don't want you to stop having political views. We don't want you to stop expressing your opinion. We don't. Feel free to say anything you want. This is America. At least where we are, it's America. You can say what you want, more or less. <laughs> Unless somebody sues you, and then I guess you shouldn't have. But <laughs> <laughs> You can say it. Uh -huh. yeah, you can say it. But, you know, 
my point is you're failing yourself if you link prepping to politics. You are failing yourself if you are exclusive because we need everybody in this country to prep, period. We need everybody in the world to prep. And I'm not talking about everybody needs to have, well, everybody really should have a large food supply in their house. But even if everybody just has a month worth of food, just a month, think about all of the much more likely scenarioed situations that will be much better off for everybody. You know, every, we always think about Tiatwaki, the end of the world as we know it. We think about this, right? That's what yeah, preppers do. Good. We think about the EMPs. Am I right? We think about it. Or the magnetic pole flip. Or the mag pole, magnetic pole flip. Or Yellowstone blowing up. Or an asteroid hitting the Earth. Because Yellowstone has blown up. The pole has flipped, right? Uh, asteroids have hit the Earth. There's big holes in this planet where asteroids have hit the Earth. You know, there's been extinction-level events, most probably, anyway. That's the best guess. That's where the dinosaurs went. Most probably, that's the best guess. If, of course, you believe in the dinosaurs, or that they were... Never mind. We, see, we're not Even going if you there. don't. Forget the dinosaurs. <laughs> Forget I mentioned them. Forget I mentioned Yellowstone, because it's more than 6,000 years ago. Forget that. Okay. But I think there's a chance that everybody realizes that Yellowstone supervolcano can blow up. Everybody realizes how close we have come to nuclear war, global thermal nuclear war, in the past. And if you don't, I will tell you. Hang on a second, I gotta pause this. Watch, watch. Sorry about that. I had to pause the tape. The tape. It's a SD card. I paused the SD card. Speaking of dinosaurs. <laughs> Speaking of dinosaurs. Yeah, I'm a dinosaur. <laughs> um, I paused the SD card because I couldn't remember the fellow's name, and it, it was. And so we looked it up on the wiki. She's she's got the wiki here. People. I mean, I assume since I'm a historian, I assume that people know what happened in history, right? I just do. But a lot of people have never heard of. What the true history, because and this is not a political statement. This is just the truth. It's not taught in school. I mean, it's just not. I did a research report on the Cuban Missile Crisis when I was in junior high school, and I didn't come across this story. No. It may not have been public knowledge at that time. It probably wasn't. It probably came out after the fall of the Soviet Union, to be fair. Yeah. And that's another part of a part of history. You're like, okay, um, you're looking at history and you're like, oh, I was never taught that in school. Well, I went to school in the, in the 60s and the 70s, and the Soviet Union didn't fall until uh, 1991, and the records did, from the Soviet Union were not available until far after the fall came. So we didn't know these things. So it's not like all of it's the education system. Some of it was just the fact that, you know, it just the information wasn't available. It's like science. I, I, so. don't, I don't think people, though, a lot of people realize how close we come to dying. And there's not. And this is the sort of thing where it's, you know, I'm driving on a two-lane road right now. Okay? I'm driving on a two-lane road. You don't think about this, but I'm driving on a two-lane road. And there's a car coming towards me. And when that car passes me, that car is going to be six or seven feet away from me. If either one of us misses by six or seven feet, we kill everybody in both cars. Because we're going to head on collision at 60 miles an hour. Okay? 
120, to be fair. Well. Two vehicles. Two vehicles, yeah. So a combined speed of 120 miles an hour. And that's every single car I pass every day I drive this road. I am six feet away from death every time. That's how you got to stop and look at things. At least that's how I look at things. So, you know, you talk about we were never closer to oblivion than we were in the early 1960s. As a human civilization. As a human civilization, we, the world almost ended. And it's a lot closer than most people realize. We're going to tell you about, you talk about doesn't matter uh, about political things. People who are of all political persuasions can save your life, and you don't even know it. So I'm going to talk about a guy who's not only a certain winger, he's a communist. I mean, he's a, he's a communist as communist can get. I mean, party member of, the Soviet, member. Heart, heart, party member of the Soviet Union, communist, who saved the world. And she's going to read about it. Because if you never heard of this guy, I don't think most people realize how close that was. Vasily Alexandrovich Arkhipov was a Soviet Navy officer credited with casting the single vote that prevented a Soviet nuclear strike and presumably all-out nuclear war during the Cuban Missile Crisis. Such an attack likely would have caused major global thermonuclear response, which could have destroyed much of the world. As flotilla commander and second-in-command of the diesel-powered submarine B-59, only Arkhipov refused to authorize the captain's use of nuclear torpedoes against the United States Navy, a decision requiring the agreement of all three senior officers aboard. In 2002, Thomas Blanton, who was then the director of the U.S. National Security Archive, said that Arkhipov saved the world. And they show a picture of this traditionally... Doer-looking Soviet naval officer with a whole bunch of cabbage on his chest. That guy's a Ruski. I'm sorry. He's just, he's a Russian. There's no, well, okay, he's a Soviet officer. He may not be Russian. He may be Lithuanian for all I know. I don't know. Um, so she didn't read about uh, what happened. Skip to the the involvement of the Cuban Missile Crisis. On 27 October 1962, during the Cuban Missile Crisis, a group of 11 United States Navy destroyers and the aircraft carrier USS Randolph located the diesel-powered, nuclear-armed Soviet Foxtrot-class submarine B-59 near Cuba. Despite being in international waters, the Americans started dropping signaling depth charges, explosives intended to force the submarine to come to the surface for identification. There had been no contact from Moscow for a number of days, and although the submarine's crew had earlier been picking up U.S. civilian radio broadcasts, once B-59 began attempting to hide from its U.S. Navy pursuers, it was too deep to monitor any radio traffic. Those on board did not know whether war had broken out or not. The captain of the submarine, Valentin Grigorovich Savitsky, decided that war might already have started and wanted to launch a nuclear torpedo. Unlike other subs in the flotilla, three officers aboard the B-59 had to agree unanimously to authorize a nuclear launch. Captain Savitsky, the political officer, Ivan Savinovich, Meselenikov, and the second-in-command, Arkhipov. Typically, Russian submarines armed with special weapon only require the captain to get authorization from the political officer to launch a nuclear torpedo. But due to Arkhipov's position as flotilla commander, 
B-59's captain was also required to gain Arkhipov's approval. An argument broke out with only Arkhipov against the launch. Even though Arkhipov was only second in command of the submarine B-59, he was, in fact, commander of the entire submarine flotilla, including B-4, B-36, and B-130, and an equal rank to Captain Savitsky. According to author Edward Wilson, the reputation Arkhipov had gained from his courageous conduct in the previous year, Soviet submarine K-19 incident also helped him prevail. Ah, the Widowmaker. Arkhipov eventually persuaded Savitsky to surface and await orders from Moscow. This effectively averted the nuclear warfare, which probably would have ensued if the nuclear weapon had been fired. The submarine's batteries had run very low, and the air conditioning had failed, causing extreme heat and high levels of carbon dioxide inside the submarine, which was a situation not conducive to rationality. They were forced to surface amid the American pursuers and returned to the Soviet Union as a result. Okay. I don't think I need to read all this okay. aftermath well, stuff. There you go. The man saved the world. I was just a baby. She wasn't born yet. I'm world, but I'm older. And he saved us all. Because there's no way that during that point in time, during the Cuban Missile Crisis, that the, that the uh, B-36... The B-36s, the, the peacemakers, there's no way those don't fly over Russia. Some, somebody fires release. a nuclear weapon at the U.S. Navy, it's go time. It is. It, it, that's just the truth. And there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. That's, that's just, you don't, you don't shoot nukes at us. You just don't. And you don't get away with it if you do. Um, so, that's how close we were, right? And it doesn't matter that this guy was a hardcore communist hero, right? Because in the background, what matters was he stopped and thought, and he, he wanted his grandchildren to live. You know, that, that's what, that's what it was all about. He wanted his grandkids to have a life. Now, obviously there are nuts in this world that that doesn't matter to. We recognize there are nuts in this world who, well, they're just nuts, they're fanatics. We get that. And that's why we prep. Or they're wishful thinkers who imagine somehow. I'm talking about people who strap bombs on themselves. They're fanatics. I'm sorry. I'm not going to go the wishful thinker part for you, my friend. Some of I mean, you know, yeah. When you blow yourself up strapped with nails, there's something a little whacked on you. Somehow my brain didn't go just there. <laughs> well, I'm talking about bombing. You know, There are whacks. It happens. And they're whacks for whatever reason. But really, the reason is less important than the fact that we have as many people prepped as we can to react to the situation that comes up. That's the, the rubber hits the road, not from the event. That's, what, that's the cause. But how prepared are we as individuals and as a, com as a community? Because whether you like it or not, you're a community with all of these other people who have all these other views. How are we as a community prepared to handle the next shakeup? I'm not talking about sitting around and singing kumbaya with people who, whose political views you find deplorable. I'm not talking about that. To me, that's just silly, you know. You can 
dislike whoever you want to dislike. I mean, that's fine with me. But where I have start having a problem is when people are willing to throw the baby out with the bathwater. And that's what I think a lot of prepping, preppers do. Is they'll throw the, I will cut off my nose to spite my face. I have an example from today. Go for it. Uh, South Africa, as we speak, is running out of water. Yes. They've, they're in a three-year drought. Their reservoirs are running dry. They're talking about literally having to turn off the taps to most of a city of millions, a highly civilized city of millions. This is not some third-world backwater. No, not This South is the place Africa. where the uh, first cardiac transplant operation was held. I mean, this is... Real. A real yeah, place. This is a, a real first-world... Well, it's a real modern city. And they're talking about the whole city running out of water. One of the problems they're having is that some of the citizens are refusing to conserve from the mindset that that portrays a lack of faith in their government, in their nation, and things like that. They're using their political stance as a reason to maintain their lifestyle, even though that lifestyle is leading them straight into disaster in the course of a time span that's shorter than the next rains are expected to come. In the next couple of months. Yeah, 12 weeks. And they're putting their faith in their beliefs, their political beliefs, and their, their political dogma, while looking at pictures of empty reservoirs. They won't prep because it's contrary to their political beliefs. That's what's going to happen to us if we link the politics to the prepping. And we do link politics to prepping. Right now it's tightly linked. Now, I, when I talk about it, I present it in a different way. But Go for it. I present it starting from the position of, hey, this is life, and in life these things happen, and I'm prepared for these things, making no reference to governmental situations. It's just look at the history of the world, look at the history of the state. This stuff just happens from time to time. And no matter how big of a believer a person may be in government, there's not a government on the planet that can deal with a lot of this stuff because it's just beyond the ability of any government to handle anywhere, ever. Because sometimes when emergencies happen, you just, I mean, if they're too big, eventually things can recover from a lot of things. Now, I can come up with several that we could never recover from, and that's just a really bad situation. I mean, if Yellowstone blows, the U.S. will never recover. Not in our lifetimes. Which probably will be pretty short. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, come to think that of it. That would be bad. That, that would, would be bad. bad That's, oh, I love it. Here, oh, there's a hawk Ooh. just absolutely <laughs> hovering. There must be a breeze today. There's a hawk absolutely hovering right over the road. I think it's seen a mouse down. It's got an eye on it's something It's got an eye there. on somebody down there. He's waiting for it to come back out to take its dive. There's my one little digression for the for the podcast. Sorry, we couldn't have a picture of that to link so, with the podcast. We're going to hang cool. it up here. We said what we want to say, so we're going to hang this one up and and uh, just again, I'm not asking you to go hug somebody of the other party uh, or the other per- persuasion or whatever. Just don't tie one thing to another. Right. Preps doesn't have to be about politics any more than it has to be about what hair color you've got. Exactly. All right. That's what we had to say.
Bye.